May 23, 2021. Behold, how they love one another. Week 2. One Another Series. Go ahead and have a seat. I have to stop getting so caught up in worship. Wow, thank you guys. Before I jump in, there's two things I just want you to know about and to be praying about as, as a church family. The first, um, some of you may have seen on social media, but Pastor Steve's father passed away this week. And Steve and Tammy and his mom and his brother and all of that are involved are mourning. And just be praying for Steve. Um, he's... He's helping his mom. He's walking this out with his family. But I think if we as a church come around them in prayer, it's, it's really a beautiful thing. And the other, if you've been following the news, um, we work in the Democratic Republic of Congo, or DRC as a church. And the city we work in is called Goma, and it's on the, the um, east coast of the country, right by Rwanda. Well, yesterday, uh, an active volcano that's been active over the years erupted. And all of our friends and the ministry we do in and around Goma is they're reeling a little bit right now, unsure what's going to happen as a result of this volcano erupting right in their midst. The last time it happened was 2002, and then before that it was 1977, and both um, had a huge impact on Goma, lost, lots of loss of life. So I'm going to pray for the Dunmires and for Goma and for our time together this morning. So Father, we thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you that as we come to worship, there's something incredible that happens and you meet us in those moments. And Father, I, I, I thank you um, for what we just experienced. Lord, I lift Steve and his mom and Tammy and, and their whole family up to you right now. Father, I pray that they would find your peace in the middle of the storm that they're walking through, that they would see that you are their living hope. And Father, as, as Marcel from Congo emailed me last night, um, fearful for what's happening in his country. Lord, I pray that you would bring um, calmness, that you would hold back the flow of lava, that you would prevent any disaster more than it's already happened, any mass loss of life, and that, Lord, you would bring peace to that part of the world that's been so ravished by so many, whether it be natural disasters or wars or rumors of wars. And Father, I pray that they would find peace for the clinic that Jericho Road has there for our work through world relief, that you would protect all who are involved. And Father, this morning, I pray that we would hear from you. Lord, that I would fade away and that your Holy Spirit would speak this morning through me. And we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, it's, it's interesting that we're in this series called One Another, because as a preaching team, we looked at the one another statements in Scripture, and we said, you know what? For where we are in our country and all that's happening, where, even where we're at at our church right now, we really need to focus on how we interact with one another. Now, this really you know, dug deep into my heart a couple of months ago when a community group that I'm in, a couples group that Holly and I are in with some dear friends, the leader of the group brought this song to our group, a song that I'm sure you've heard over and over again throughout your life. But as we, as we played it, we didn't sing it, although someone may have sang it. They don't want to hear me sing it. Maybe you sang it, but I don't even remember. But um, this song was played in our group, and it, it struck me 
um, right here in the heart. And you've heard this song. You've heard it before. They'll know we are Christians by our love. And I will speak it to you. I won't sing it, I promise. Thanks, Marshall. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit. We, were one, we are one in the Lord. And we pray that our unity will one day be restored. That they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yeah, they'll know we are Christians by our love. We need that right now. That our unity be, would be restored. That as the world looks at us, they would see who we are and be attracted to the very essence of Jesus living in our lives. We will work with each other. We will work side by side. We will work with each other. We will work side by side and will guard each man's dignity and save each man's pride. And they'll know we are Christians by our love. Yeah, they will know we are Christians by our love. That night in that community group, as we went over the words of that song, I actually had tears in my eyes. Because, because at that point in the pandemic, looking around, and maybe even today, we lack unity as followers of Christ. So many of us are scattered all over, and we're, we're actually, we shoot our own wounded sometimes. That song is actually based on John 13, 35, where, where Jesus said, by this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. People will know, the world will know that we follow Jesus based on how we love each other, how we interact. Early in the early church, back in the book of Acts, it is... It is recorded and, and known through history, that those who weren't inside of the church would look at followers of Christ and say, behold how they love one another. Through the centuries, people have looked at Christians and said, look at those Christians, they love each other well. Well, my question is, how are we doing? How are we doing? Are we truly loving one another well? We're in the week, week two of our series on the one another statements in scripture. There's a couple, there's actually four themes that play throughout these, these statements throughout scripture. The first is love. You'll read, hear about love in the one another statements. And like today that we love one another, you'll hear a lot about unity, about servanthood and humility. They're sort of on the same side of the coin. And then encouragement, how we encourage other believers, how we come alongside those who are downcast, who are beat up, and we build them up and encourage them instead of turning the other way. And we'll touch on all four of those themes through this series, but today we're going to focus on Romans 12, starting in verse 9. So we put a, a video together to read the scripture, to, to hopefully bring it to life for you a little bit. So Romans 12, please watch the screens. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling 
to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. As Paul wrote those words, he was writing to people who, who knew what love looked like. They, they, they knew that they had to love each other. They knew that they had to come around each other, but he defined how to do it, how to really love well, how to love those who are, are followers of Jesus well. And in verse nine, it, it's so clear. Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. In the NIV, like I said, it says love must be sincere. In the NASB, it said let love be without hypocrisy. In the NLT, it says don't just pretend to love others. And in the ESV, it said let love be genuine. Let love be genuine. Church, that's our call to be sincere in how we love each other, to not let emotion creep in and take over or pretense or, or outward displays of affection, but they spoke about a deep love that they understood, a, a love that will stand by a brother or sister in the Lord no matter what happens, an abiding love, a love that is a decision. It's not something that's emotionally based, but it's a pure decision uh, that we're going to love each other well to stand alongside our brothers and sisters when maybe we don't quite agree with them. To love well. And who is our model for this? Well, it's Jesus. We're to love like Jesus. To think about how he loved the world and then to duplicate or um, replicate that in ourselves. Jesus laid his life down. He loved you so much that he laid his life down for you. And we are to do the same for our brothers and sisters, to lay our lives down. One of my favorite verses to use in weddings is Ephesians 5.25 because the couple has no idea what they're getting into. Do you remember when you got married? And I, I, I don't think I remember a word of what the pastor said when I got married. Anybody else agree? You're so focused on the party and everything that's coming that you really don't even listen. And that's why I love sharing this verse. Ephesians 5.25, And you husbands must love your wives with the same love Christ showed the church. He gave his life up for her. I love speaking those words over a husband, over the groom at a wedding. That guy has no idea what he's walking into. None. But to tell him he needs to love his wife in such a way that he's willing to lay down his hopes, his dreams, his desires, possibly everything for her. A sacrificial love that considers his wife far more valuable than his own life. 
That's what we're committing to when we, we take our vows at, at, at a wedding. That's the same thing, the same way we're to love each other, to lay our lives down for our brothers and sisters who may be sitting across this room right now. Sincere, non-hypocritical, love that is not pretending, it is legitimate, genuine. And this is where it gets really hard. It's easy to love people like that who we like, who we love already. It's easy to love your spouse like that, hopefully. It's even easy to love some people you like in your life. You know where it gets really hard? We're supposed to love everybody like that. Look around the room. Think about who attends our church or other followers of Christ at other churches. Do you love them with that sacrificial love? That's what Paul is writing about. That's the kind of love that Jesus showed the church. And as his followers, that's how we're supposed to live our lives. Being married can be really challenging. In October, it'll be 22 years for Holly and I, me and Holly. And over those 22 years, we've had times where it's been really easy to love each other. And then there have been times where it hasn't been. In the life of a church, there will be times when it's really easy to love each other. And then there will be times where love becomes a decision. And you have to look at somebody who you may disagree with and say, I, I don't want to but I love you. That's what this is calling for. That's what Paul is writing about. The second part of this verse is equally as powerful. In the NASB, it says, abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. Abhor is such a powerful word. Hate, detest, run away from everything that is evil. Do not let evil cross your mind. Do not live in that place. And cling to is a very interesting word. It's actually derived from the, the marriage relationship in a husband and wife and how they cling to each other. We're to cling in that way to what is good. There are many things to abhor in our lives. Gossip, quick judgments about other people, foul language, insults, personal attacks. Guys, when it comes to others in this world, especially those in our church, we should detest, abhor those things and flee from them. Run the other way. Sincere love would help us or have us do that, to run away from the evil things in our world. The evil that, that can so easily destroy a relationship, we're supposed to push it off to the side and love well. And how do we do that? We do it just like Jesus did. Yes, Jesus came and he died for us. But he also lived for us. He was born for us. Jesus cried for us. He resisted temptation for us. He had, did acts of love over and over again. He went through adolescence for us. I have a middle school student at home. I wouldn't willingly choose to go through adolescence. 
what he did. And there's so many acts of love that are not recorded, that went unnoticed, that were just part of who he was day in and day out. That's how we're supposed to love, just as Jesus loved for us. We're supposed to check in on those who are sick. We're supposed to go to those we have disagreements with and work them out. We're supposed to love well, to pray for others, and listen to problems, but don't fix them. As we love one another, Paul encourages us to lay down our lives for each other. That's really hard to do. Because I don't always agree with everybody. I'm sure you don't either. And the scripture is clear in telling us that we need to focus our attention on loving those in the church well. Paul continues in Romans 12.10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. It's so interesting that he drew it into a family context with the word brotherly, philia. That's the translation. And it's like in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, although I don't think they do it very well. It reminds me of my mother's family. My mother's parents were actually born in Italy and they came over, so I'm a part of this huge Italian family. Which if you've never been to an Italian party when everybody gets together, it might be one of the best things in the world. There's wall-to-wall food. Everywhere you look, there's food. The best things you could imagine. But even greater than that are the depth of the relationships. And this is what cracks me up. I can have an issue with somebody in my family, and we can duke it out, but if somebody from the outside has an issue with somebody from my family, the gloves go on, and it's game on. I, this last time, I just have to say, as we got together as a family, and one of my cousins had a gathering at her house, and the strangest part about Italian families is that they kiss each other on the cheek on both sides. I don't know if your families do that, but my family does, and I never know which side to go to first. Is it right first? Is it left first? I just don't know. And even standing here right now, I can't tell you for sure. So the last time we were together, I was hugging my cousin. My, uh, I won't even mention her name. I was hugging her, and we both went to the same side. But that's what families do. You laugh through it. You have times like that. And I think as a church, we're going to start doing, instead of shaking hands, we're going to start doing holy kisses. I'm telling you, it brings you together real quick when you start doing that. Although we won't do it in student ministry. I guess that could get a little strange. But families are bound together in that way. You come together, you you love on each other, you care for each other, you build one another up. You just have this this sense of, of community when you're in a healthy family. And you're devoted to one another. You think highly of those in your family. Yes, there will be disagreements. Sometimes harsh words will be shared. There may even be shouting and fighting. But this is where you get to it. In a healthy family, those things are resolved. You get to the other side of it. You have the hard conversation. You're so devoted to this idea of brotherly love that you're willing to work through whatever issue comes in front of you. And you do it with gladness in your heart. I think we need that. 
think we need that. As individuals, as a church, when we have issues somewhere in our life with somebody, I think we need to come around that person and fix what is broken. You may even look around the room right now and there's people you need to restore unity with. There may be some you've had disagreements with and you need to get in the same place, have a conversation, and work it out. Because you can't even remember what caused the issue most of the time. Or maybe you were the cause of the issue. And you need to go seek forgiveness from somebody you have wronged. In Ephesians 4, Paul writes these words, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called to one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Whether you like it or not, Your crazy cousin Eddie is still part of the family. And you still need to love that person like crazy. As a church, that's what we're called to do. As we love one another, Paul encourages us to lay our lives down for each other and to honor our family. To honor each other to think the best of each other, whatever the circumstance, to give each other the benefit of the doubt each and every time. Romans 12, 11. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Isn't it easy to lose your zeal and your spiritual fervor? Through COVID, how many people were on fire for the Lord before COVID? And then as we weren't meeting and gathering in this way, it sort of waned a little bit. Or maybe a lot. Having your zeal or your fervor sort of fade away is really an issue we all have to face every day. And I believe that's why Paul's writing to this. As we're a family who's laying down our lives for each other and honoring each other, we must Keep moving forward, not lacking our zeal, not to become complacent or or even a worse word, maybe even lazy in our pursuit of Jesus, but to really say, no matter what, I'm all in each and every day. It happens all the time where we try to and we intend to do really well and then things fade. How many of you have bought a gym membership in January? And you go two or three times in January. February, you know you should go. By March, you forget even where the building is. That's human nature. And the same thing can happen with our spiritual fervor if we don't have the zeal and this desire to follow Jesus with our whole hearts. It's human nature to have those things fade. But Paul is telling us right here, never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor as you serve the Lord. Never let it go. I'll tell you what, the people in my life when I was young and even today who have that spiritual fervor and that zeal and they're growing and learning, those are the people that you just want to be around. 
because you know that they're not stale, they're not complacent, they're learning and they're growing. And it's a beautiful picture of how each of us should be as we pursue Jesus. As a follower of Christ, we have the Holy Spirit alive and well in us to empower us to keep going, to put one foot in front of the other each and every day, to keep seeking the things of the Lord. My time with the Lord is is early in the morning. And I'll admit to you, two days this week, I rolled over and didn't get out of bed. It was Wednesday and Thursday. I was exhausted. I had a lot in my mind, and I I just didn't do it. 5 a.m. came and went, and I didn't get out of bed. It's easy to let that time slip, that, that let that zeal and that fervor fade away. Paul's encouraging us not to let that be our story. Don't let that happen. As we love one another, Paul encourages us to, to lay our lives down for each other, to honor our family, and then to keep going. Knowing that in this world we will have troubles, but take heart, Jesus said, I have overcome this world. You will have troubles. It will be challenging. You will not want to lay your lives down for each other. You will not want to honor others in the family. Sometimes it's easier to not keep, it's easier to not move forward and to stay still. But we don't have the luxury of doing those things. As we do those three things, the words of that song I start with will begin to ring true in our lives. They'll know we are Christians by our love. They'll know you're a follower of Jesus when when they see how you love others in the church, in the relationship you have, the brotherly love you share with each other that is so difficult to find in our world outside of the church. They will see that and understand it and actually long for it because I'll tell you what, the people in my life who I come in contact with, they're utterly hopeless And when they see how I interact with some of my Christian friends, I've had this happen where they say, why do you guys act like that? (laughs) Sometimes it's just immaturity. But often what they're seeing is the bond of love through our Savior, Jesus Christ. And as the world sees that, how you love each other well, how we love each other well, they will be attracted to it. And maybe, oh, maybe, That statement from long ago will be true of us as a church. Behold how they love one another. The people at Watermark, the people in our world, behold how they love one another. That's what I want. I want us to be so abnormal, so different from the world that people realize we love one another well, that we lay our lives down for each other, that we honor our family, and that we keep going when the world is hard, when COVID is doing whatever COVID's doing, when there's political unrest and all that's happening in our world, we keep going and following Jesus with all of who we are, our our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. We strive to follow Jesus. And the world will say, 
Behold how they love one another. God, I, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that in, these, in the scripture, it's so clear. It's so clear how we're to love each other. It's so clear that we're to hate what is evil and to love what is good. It's so clear that as your followers, we're supposed to love each other well with a love the world can't even understand. God, I pray that as a church, we would embody that. We would embrace it. We would live it out each and every day. And Lord, the reality is when you love, you share truth. And Lord, I pray that we would be able to share truth with each other in the middle of this love. And that God, as the world looks at us, they would say, behold how they love one another. And they would be attracted, not to us, but to you. They would have a longing for what we have and they would seek after you because of the way we love each other well. We thank you, Father, and I pray in Jesus' name.